Before we start, we want to let you know we've launched a Patreon page where supporters can receive perks like bonus episodes and exclusive content. Because Pop Fiction Women is our passion project, a place where we give women space to show up and offer in-depth analysis in the ways we're used to hearing about male creators and their characters. We delve into creativity and psychology with a dash of astrology, and we have so much fun doing it. Just two friends breaking down books, movies, and shows like Normal People, Fleabag, and I May Destroy You. Every single aspect of this podcast we do ourselves, from the preparation to the recording, from the editing to the social media promotion. So we're adding a Patreon platform because we want to keep making the show you love and hopefully expand it even further. So please consider becoming one of our most complicated fans and contributing on Patreon. To learn more, go to patreon.com forward slash popfictionwomen. On Pop Fiction Women, we explore what it means to be a complicated woman. Tired of endless variations of leading men next to one-dimensional archetypes of women, or strong female leads written by men that were essentially guys in women's bodies. We started this show to highlight the many female characters in entertainment worth exploring, as well as the women who dreamt them up. And now we're adding those creators to our conversations discussing their process and passion in bringing these women to life. Welcome to Complicated Conversations. On these episodes, there's no spoilers. So come on, it's starting. Rebecca Baum is a New York City transplant from rural Louisiana where she was born and raised. Her debut novel, Life Like Creatures, will be published by Regal House Publishing later this month. Rebecca is a co-founder of a creative studio where she is a ghostwriter, copywriter, and blogger. She lives in Greenwich Village with her husband and their cat. Yes, our cat Steely, who I hope doesn't meow oh. during this session, but she may. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh, hey, well, we have a history, but I'm going to hold off on that a little bit until we talk about, to, about writing. First, I really want to talk about Life Like Creatures. So tell me a little bit about this book. Well, it's my debut published novel. I wrote a middle grade novel before this, which I almost feel is like a, a proto version of Life Like Creatures. It takes place in a similar area, you know, rural Louisiana. And it is anchored around the relationship between 13-year-old Tara and her mother, Joan. Her mother is, Joan is an addict and an alcoholic. And Tara is often the mother. Yes, um, I'm going to talk and, about that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, but they, you know, they manage to get along. They have they have a routine. They they have a day to day, and uh, and they have their roles. They, they have their roles, they, right? They absolutely have their roles. Yeah. I mean, they are they are in a kind of equilibrium. Yeah. And one day there is an industrial disaster on their property, which is a sinkhole. Yeah. And so they're forcibly evacuated, um, as is most of the community. And Joan, who is, you know, has no filter, uh, (laughs) kind of ends up becoming this accidental hero. Mm. You know, the town sort of centers uh, or or gathers around her. And, you know, class action lawyers show up and kind of start grooming her to be the face of of a lawsuit on behalf of the entire community. And, uh, you know, Tara kind of starts to see her mother with new eyes, like she's this capable person, like she is a hero, Mm -hmm. like she is strong, you know, some characteristics which are really there. Yes. But as, you know, they get closer to a settlement, Joan, you know, the mom just kind of collapses Mm -hmm. uh, under the pressure. Yes. And, you know, has a has a fall, has a spectacular fall. And and Tara has to kind of decide if she's going to pick her mother up as she always has picked her up or if she's going to take care of herself and her own life and and start to shape her own fate. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. Okay, so on our podcast, we talk about complicated women and girls, which to us just means real three-dimensional human beings that have conflict (laughs) and contradictions. Although Tara is only 13, she certainly qualifies as complicated, as does her mother, Joan, both of whom narrate this book. 
Can you tell us a little bit? I mean, you've already actually told us a lot about Tara and Joan, but what about when you were writing them and developing them as these complicated protagonists? What challenge did you encounter? Where did you know the meat was, like the heart of it was? Just talk about kind of putting them together on the page. It's interesting because I started the... The book started with their relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have, you know, any of the larger plot. Yes. I mean, you remember, yes, you read it was yes. just it was just Tara and Joan mm-hmm. in their sort of little world. Yes. And you know, at some point, I, I ended up going into a workshop with with the manuscript, and at some point, the, the really wonderful teacher there, Jeff Orvin, you know, suggested that I bring in kind of a larger story, mm-hmm. which ended up being you know, the sinkhole. And um, I think on our last meeting that that had been, you had already been started and I had seen that and I was so excited about it too. So. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. It's nice to remember those milestones. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) So, you know, as I started telling the story when, you know, and I was bringing my chapters into this workshop and, and Jeff started pointing out, like, it feels like the story's really veering into Joan's perspective, because mm. because it was all through Tara's right. perspective. Yeah. And so I just like kind of struggled with that for a while, you know, because I definitely had been very firmly embedded in this is Tara's story. Yeah. You know, this is this is from her POV. And so I, I kind of kept trying to wrangle it back to Tara's yeah. and, and finally Jeff was like, why don't you just, just right? go with yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. So so then I just, you know, flipped into Joan's perspective and it was really fun yeah (laughs) she's so you know unbridled and I mean to just kind of like play around with being that unfiltered right so so that was kind of something that started off as as a challenge but then ended up being a very important part of the structure right Uh, Yeah, because it's so so I was gonna ask specifically about that it is you're right it's the first like the first like third is all from Tara and then the middle third is from Joan and then we come back to Tara. Yeah, that's right. Which is such a unique perspective and of course it completely works but in my head I know if I was writing it I would be like oh I can't do that. That's not how Mm. like either I have to alternate chapters or you know I have to do half and half or whatever but it just takes a lot of gut instinct to say this no this is the story but it sounds like it was a challenge for you well it the challenge was trying to uh resist yeah that that pull yeah so I mean really like the story pulled me yes yes you know and then I knew I had to come back to Tara like I couldn't stay in yeah yeah but that was right because at the end she's the one who has to call kind of decide where she's going with all of this yeah yeah and and I think most I mean I'm hoping that readers feel empathy and even some connection and understanding with Joan yeah but I think most readers will all readers hopefully will be rooting for Tara you know they'll care about her they'll want to know that you know how it works out for her oh yeah yeah no I don't think you you don't lose that I mean Tara is still in those in that Jones section very much so. Um, Yeah, yeah. and and, and I guess another part of the challenge was just making sure Tara had her own personality and sense of self because she is so enmeshed with her mother. I mean, her whole life has been about like, you know, that hypervigilance and that character. Yes, uh, yes. So like, you know, that message of like, I'm not okay unless my mom is okay. Yes. As long as my mom's okay, right. then I'm then I'm okay. Yes. So that that was, you know, the dynamic that she was locked into. Yes. But she is her own person too. Yeah, absolutely. I want to talk a little bit more about that because we've lately been talking on our on our interviews, we've been getting more into people who are writing about mothers and daughters and we've kind of been talking about mommy issues and and how those look like lots of different things it's it's t- typically a term reserved for mothers and sons but I mean mothers and daughters have very complicated relationships and yeah, yeah. certainly Joan and Tara are part of that but as you said in the beginning in in the beginning of this story it kind of works for them right it's not 
the healthiest, but it is working. And there's something to be said for that. And then these events that happen in their community change that and throw a, a real wrench in it. And it's not all one thing. It, that clarity is good. Seeing different roles is good. But then it's like, well, what do we, you know, how, how long can this actually last? So anyway, I wanted to talk about, I don't want to give too much away, but I wanted to talk about how you felt changing that relationship. Because even like you're talking about writing it, you know, veering into Joan's perspective, it's hard. You're like, no, I'm staying hard to Tara's perspective. And it, you're saying it felt good to give into Joan's perspective and to let that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah it was kind of allowing a pressure that had built up on its own. Yes. I would say. Right. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But that you still resisted nonetheless. Cause... Well, because I didn't know that I didn't, you know, I had in my mind this notion of how it was going to go you know I mean there's that whole like I'm sure you've heard those labels of the pantsers and the plotters yes of course sure yeah so I mean this was definitely like a a pantser situation in a lot of ways and that I started off as you know with yeah with Tara and Joan but didn't really know where it was going to go and but I just wanted to start I just wanted to write you know I didn't want to like wait around until I knew yes figure out a whole story and so a lot of it was like every week, like, oh, you know, where where is this going to go? Yeah. Um, even when I did get to introduce sort of a larger a larger tension yeah. uh, of an industrial disaster, so I, you know, I thought it with you know one one notion I did have that was anchoring me, you know, despite not having written out the, the was plotters, that it was Tara's story, that it was Tara's story, yeah. 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 I hadn't plotted a whole thing out. It was that it was Tara's story. Right. So I, of course, I held on to that. Yeah. You know, it was terrifying. Yes, <laughs> it was not terrifying, but it it just felt like it would be a mistake. Right, it would be going down a rabbit hole. It would be, you know, yes. Like oh. I felt like I had to. I felt like I wasn't being sort of disciplined enough. Yes. Like that was the problem. I had to like be disciplined and wrangled myself, wrangle myself back, yeah. and like that. It was a matter of craft versus. You know, just the story kind of informing me, the story like letting me know. I I understand everything you're saying. Right now I happen to be in a story that I've written a a whole draft from one character's point of view and I got really stuck. I was done with a draft when the pandemic hit and I just kind of froze with the whole thing. But when it started to come back to me, I started to hear a different, I started to hear more from the mentor. And Everything you're saying is exact. I'm like, no, it's just because it's like some flashy new thing. I just don't want to, I want to avoid doing like the work of getting back into her head. And Mm -hmm. I keep convincing myself, but the truth of the matter, if I could really surrender and like let go, the truth of the matter is the story is pulling me in that Mm. direction, in her, in this, in the mentor's perspective. And I'm resisting it so hard. Yeah. I do think it's important to to check yes. oneself. Yes. Too. Sure. So, I mean, yes, it's resisting, but it's also like just making sure I, I like what you just said, mm. that it's not just a shiny yes. thing, that I'm not just feeling uncomfortable yes. and looking for a way to escape and, you know, change the feeling. Yes. And yes. That, so that's important. It so, is. So, yeah. It is. But I have a feeling you and I are both comfortable being uncomfortable in this way so like of course I would be like no it's okay I'll just stay with Scarlett I'll just do this and the harder part is changing expectations and that my Mm -hmm. expectation is this is a story told from her point of view and her point of view alone and to change that and to introduce a a new point of view is scary to me and it's coming through in first person Whereas the other is written in third. And I'm like, I can't do that. (laughs) Yeah. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. I want to come back to Tara and Joan for a minute. How do you feel about them now? Do you feel like they got to the right place? Let's say that. Or maybe I'll ask a different question while you're thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. You can answer both. Do you think that these kind of deeply entrenched relationships can change? That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. 
it. I think it's really hard. It I think it is. takes a sinkhole. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. I love I mean, that. Because especially, I mean, if we're talking about deeply entrenched familial yes. Yes. relationship. And, and we are. beyond that, parent-child. Yeah. These are individuals whose nervous systems are literally wired into each other. Yes. I mean, these are biological organisms that are developing together, regulating each other, deregulating each other. Mm-hmm. From a, and, and, a long time, you know, yeah. even Tara, it's you think, the child. yes, yeah. it's, it's the child's whole life. But I'll tell you, even 13 years as a mother is a long time too. Yeah. yeah. And Joan, of course, was a child virtually when she... Yes. So they did grow when she yes. had Tara. So they, they did grow up together. Yes. Um, so I think it's really difficult. I think it takes, I think it definitely can happen yeah. for me. Like I have to be propelled out of by pain usually yeah. <laughs> to change. Yeah. You know, I think that's, that is the, the cornerstone of change often. Yes. But once that happens, you know, cause I think like as a, as a creature, mm. like I do seek like stasis, like, yeah. Okay, like this, I'm fed, yes, I'm calm, right. I'm, my environment is quiet, I'm safe, yes. or at least I, I'm safe because I know my environment right. intimately. Yes. Like, even for if good it, or bad, the, yeah. For good or bad, yeah. even if it looks chaotic from the outside, yeah. I know it yes. intimately, it's predictable to a degree. Yes, yes. So I think we hold on to the known, or I, you know, mm-hmm. if I look back at my life so I so I do think it's really difficult and I also think there's love there yes absolutely I think there's love there as well it's probably the most confusing part of it all right yeah yeah there's so much love it's a powerful bind yeah so I think it has to be a confluence of things that kind of bring on that push someone out of that orbit you know yes push some someone out of that orbit and and change the relationship and even you know sever it sometimes uh, either permanently or for a period for a while and hopefully in this case maybe it's that the the way their relationship changes i think it's it's like the start of journeys for both of them yes 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 have you thought about that like the next, like where they are now, and I well, I originally I had um, an epilogue, okay, of Tara, so I have thought of it. Okay. I took it out, but it does kind. Of, it's like a short sketch of you know where she sure. is. Sure. Yeah. So I have. Yeah. yeah. I think I. I definitely think there's some, there could be more oh story to explore. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Staying. I'm glad to hear you feel that oh, way too. Oh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, staying with mothers, you dedicated this book to your mother. You said yeah. to to my mother, Linda, who taught me to cherish creativity and the arts. What a gift that is. Yes. That. Yes. Do, yeah. Do you want to talk about how she did that, or? Yeah. 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 We're from. A, we're from you know, rural Louisiana for much of my, I guess probably from when I was maybe 11 to maybe from till when I graduated from high school or maybe about midway through high school. My mom was the director for the arts and humanities council in, in a Boyle's parish. I'm from a Boyle's parish. So, you know, she, I imagine it was a pretty shoestring budget and as, as these things go, but she managed to bring in symphonies, ballet, wow. um, drama from not just, you know, all over the country, but from other countries. Wow. And um, one of my favorite stories is uh, when when a symphony was coming in and, and she would use my high, our high school auditorium a lot. Mm. And... Um, they, you know, as they were preparing and, and the symphony was sending, you know, here's the, the number of musicians, here's the space, each one <laughs> needs, and she realized like the stage isn't, wasn't big enough, oh you know, so she like immediately got some local, you know, carpenters to come and like extend oh the my stage gosh. Wow. a short amount of time. Yeah, I mean, she just like really made these things work and, you know, really helped me to see that there was a world out there Mm -hmm. and always encouraged my reading, my writing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, 
it was it was something that she valued deeply and um and that I integrated so that's that's wonderful that's really wonderful um because my yeah I did not have that kind of support just because in my family it was just not it was just deemed not practical right so Mm -hmm. but your mom had had obviously made it a life for herself so she could the practicality was the easy part the you loving it and you wanting to integrate it was probably the more unknown part for her so yeah yeah and and I think it was something that just brought her pleasure and helped her to organize and understand the world yeah of course which I think ultimately is like part of the reason I write I imagine yes part of the reason why you know like absolutely yeah yeah no absolutely especially in in times like this which is yes what makes it hard to write when it first happens because you're like what I don't even know what's happening so how could I possibly process this and make sense of it in the middle of it you kind of have to wait till you have some space and distance to to get a grasp on it right Yeah. yeah Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about writing. This is not, this is not a test or anything. I just am dying to hear your perspective on how we met. Yes. So it was in a uh, a workshop, the story workshop, yes. and I'm forgetting the Irish. Yes. His last name is Irish. McKee. McKee. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like in Midtown, I yes. remember. Yes. And it was a, a full auditorium. He's kind of like this semi curmudgeonly yes. but, but very you know it's very interesting I mean he had a he had a formula yes, he did he really laid it out and he brought in Casablanca he used yes a lot I had never that. seen before that so oh, I have cool. to thank him for that <laughs> and yeah and I remember if your cell phone rang he would yes the, oh. the offender pay him twenty dollars yeah. right right in his jar <laughs> Aside from being shamed yes, in front of the whole audience. That's right. Pay up. And I don't know yeah. if we were sitting near each other or if we went up. If, yeah. If it was on. It was the break that we first spoke. Yes, that's right. I think one of you were eating fruit. It was something that, that kind of drew us to each other. And we started talking and we exchanged email. And then, then we started meeting up for our little mini writing groups. Which yes. was so nice. I don't know for me, and this is my next question to you. But but since my answer pertains to you, I'm gonna I'll share it. That was definitely the period of time when I was like, okay, I'm gonna take this seriously, right? And I was just starting at that time to take it seriously. But it was definitely that that workshop and an hour resulting meetings were definitely the time when I was like I can I can take this seriously this is something worth taking seriously and it was a slow you know a slow process but that was definitely if there's a switch moment that was definitely it so I wanted to ask you when did you start thinking you wanted to write more and be a writer in any capacity and then when did you really take it seriously in a way that produced this book that I'm holding oh wow well as a child I me too you know, as a young person yeah, yeah I I mean reading was like you know it just transported me and I just loved it I craved it more than any other aspect of life I yeah. would say but and and I think with because I read so much, I just always assumed, you know, I would write or I wanted to write and certainly wrote, you know, some short things as a, as a child. And, um, you know, and then life kind of came crashing in (laughs) as as an adult and, you know, I just was diverted. And, and I also don't think I had the concentration until I was like, in my 40s yeah yeah honestly yeah. I mean so while I always you know I continued to read I continued to journal yeah. I did a lot of I always was journaling yeah, and like um, you said trying to make sense of things through the written word yes yes and plus it had already you know we were talking about nervous systems earlier mm-hmm. I feel like reading it was already in yes. you know in my my bones in my cells yes. and and so in my 40s, I, I got together with a group of three other women and, you know, just like kind of sticking my toe back yeah. in and re- just loving it yeah. and enjoying it. Yeah. And then 
you know, started like, dare I, can I? I mean, yeah. I remember, you know, I used to show my work and it would just be like this breathless, oh God, please love it. You know, yeah. I still do feel that to some extent, but it, but it was so, it, it has mellowed, you know, I'm able to like be a little, to, to be a little more separate yes. from my writing yes. so that I can really hear what yes. people are saying yes. to me. Yeah. Yeah, I do think it was around the time that you and I connected. Yeah. Although I, I had written a middle grade novel, mm-hmm. but that's right, I remember that was almost like a, an exercise. Yeah, you know, that's so funny yeah. that now that you say that, I had written a YA novel before this, before that, really? and it was just it did it felt like just something like to prove I could do it. Yeah, 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 and I think you know, plus you already had developed. A whole you're a career, you're a lawyer yeah. and you know we also get this messaging about like well if you haven't done something by a certain oh age gosh. then you're out of the game yes. you know I'm going to be this book Life Like Creatures comes out September 17th on my 50th birthday oh, like I this is going to be my debut novel I you know so that. the statistics yeah. <laughs> if you just look at that from a purely numbers yes perspective yes it's a little unusual, but it doesn't have to no. be. It's only because of like a cultural myth that is that that we tell ourselves. Yes. And I feel like it's changing. Do you? Well, tell me. Okay, yeah, so I me. do feel like it's changing. I, I feel like I hear more about, you know, celebrities or, uh, you know, I'm thinking of Reese Witherspoon, who was like, okay, I can't get any more roles, so I'll start producing. Or I think of Jennifer Lopez, who just talks about second acts all the time and how she just turned 50 and she looks better, feels better, is doing things better than she ever has. And she's big on second act. Mm. So I do feel like there is some shift in momentum. But by and large, certainly it is. We always want to look at, you know, the the young promising she has a whole life ahead of her where she'll just do this one thing like as if that's desirable <laughs> doesn't sound good to me but yeah yeah well good I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that yeah. and, the um, more, and I, I will yeah. say the, that a lot of the, the women that in the writing workshop and and there was only I think there was only one guy in the writing workshop that I was in and he was a bit younger but most of the women there were around you know, my age. So who many of them already had had, you know, careers, Mm -hmm. you know, one was film, one had been a a psychologist. So yeah, so here's to the the second Second acts. Yes. (laughs) And Busy Phillips calls it a pivot. Just make a pivot. Gotta, you know, you do something else that still makes sense, but is just a, a different part of you or highlights a different part of you. Yeah, I'm all for it. And by the way, if you look, you can find some of those. There's a lot more examples. I do think it is moving. And I think that it is more of a, there's no real barriers. It's a, it's a cultural, you know, it's like a thought barrier. It makes no sense. Yeah, it's cultural. And it's also my own self-talk. Yeah, well, and everyone's, yes. Yeah, I mean, oh, gosh, if I told you how many times I say to myself, it's too late, I can't tell you. Yeah. Right. It's too late. I'm out of time. I mean, there's just a million, like it's, it's something that just kind of gets folded yes. into like the, the, the barrier we have to break through to have a voice yes. and to, you know, express our unique perspective yes. for whatever reason, at least for yeah. me, I've had to push, push through that, mm-hmm. you know, right or wrong. Yes. It's at, I, the, I, I did have to push through yes. it. So yes. yeah. Yeah. Well, as long as we're pushing, I'm okay with that. <laughs> as long as we're not pushing up daisies. Yes. Uh, <laughs> okay. So I, I want to talk a little bit more. I want I, because I feel like I can ask you anything. I want to talk a little bit more about process with you. Where do you write? Are you a morning person, evening person? Do you listen to music? Do you never listen to music? I just want to talk. I'm just kind of fascinated by these details. Oh, yeah, I love it. I think that naturally I'm probably a, a night person, mm. but it's just not practical. You know, I think if I was left to the wild right. that I would you know, kind of um, regress back to sleeping late and staying up late. Yeah. You know, what I found for myself is I have to write early mm. 
because if I don't, the, the day crashes yeah, in, yeah, you know, yeah. and I work from home. So it's so easy. Like everywhere I look, there's something I could, could be doing. Attend to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, sometimes I'll write in later in the afternoon, but especially if it's other projects, but for my own, my own writing, you know, in the morning, coffee is definitely a tool yes. for me <laughs> to help focus. Yeah, I don't really listen to music. Occasionally, I do. It would. It has to be music without words, mm-hmm. because that that would distract mm-hmm. me. So I could listen to classical or jazz. Yeah. If I'm feeling a little antsy, I might do that. Yeah. I also have a stand up desk, okay. so I you know I find like that's like changing my position, okay. moving around a little bit. Yeah. That, that that's helpful. Yeah. You know, I also let myself take as much time as I need to. Mm. I, there are some people that write really fast. Yeah, yeah. And i talking about lumping on the negative self-talk. Yeah. <laughs> I feel wrong for that. But, but instead, I try to frame it as like, oh, I get to relish. Yes. You know, I get to yeah. just kind of swim around. Yeah, um, I and like that. I, I have the luxury of pausing mm. to find the word if I want to. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I have been doing that a little bit more and I've been using the word trust. Mm, I trust. Tell me about that. So so if I'm not, if I'm not coming back to the page or if the story is not coming to me, I don't force it. I just say, I trust that it will come when it comes. And Mm. it's hard. That's scary. I know. (laughs) I'm afraid as I'm listening to you. Right? Me too. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, it has come, hasn't yes. it? We've got a lot of evidence. It's right. <laughs> it has. Uh, yeah, uh, 100%. And also, what good has really come from forcing things? I don't know that that gets you in a better position. It might get you what you think you wanted. So I'll talk a little bit because we haven't caught up in a while. But uh, when we last got together, I had just found an agent in hindsight, I think to myself, I really forced all of that. Now, forcing it got me what I wanted. I wanted an agent. I wanted a book on submission. I wanted, you know, I knew what I wanted and I got it. But I don't think, I mean, clearly the universe, aka the publishing world, didn't want the book. So no editor bought it. So I don't know that forcing anything got me really what I wanted right? And it may have set me back. It may have, I went back into the law full time after that because I was... Well, what were the pieces that you felt like you forced? And and I only ask because yes, let the thing come. Yes, yes. trust, but also accountability, structure, Mm -hmm. showing up, all that stuff, you know, because I might relish myself into like getting nothing done, you know, into... (laughs) Five years from now, yes. and I have, I have one chapter written. I forced the story. I forced a story that was very much on the surface, and it was not getting into the things I wanted to get into. Now, really what I had to write. It wasn't really what I wanted to explore. And so I do think I forced the first story I saw out into the world instead of really going, okay, is this what I want to say? Is this how I really feel? Or is this just like kind of hitting all the beats of a really easy, nice story to write? And it was surface for me. It wasn't where I wanted to go. And it's not what my writing looks like now, which I feel like is proof of that, that I had just like, okay, here's the first thing I go for and I run with it. And I put it together in a way that's pretty good, but it's kind of an empty box inside. It wasn't where what I needed to do. There was nothing for me. It wasn't an emotional process, which is what I love. Again, you're going back mm-hmm. to saying writing is about making sense of things. And I definitely didn't make sense of anything with that book. <laughs> so okay. now I am. All- and all of that is, but it's still part of the journey. Ab- you know, it's still part of the process. Absolutely. Like however, and that's- God... God bless us for getting in there and like just trying the thing, you know, like I agree. Why? Yes. Like before you publish, like you have, like you really in some ways are yelling into the void and like, you know, you have your, your wonderful writing partners. Like 
I mean, part of it is like feedback, but part of it is just like, am I crazy? Yes. I'm spending hours doing this. Like, yes. you know, like yes. just reflecting back to each other that no, this stay the path, yes. keep trying, be in yes. the process. This is, this is worthwhile. This is meaningful, even though no, you know, if there's you don't know what's going to happen to it or if all these hours and all these words will just will amount to, yeah, to what you but, want it to it anyway yes. and that's it. yes and that's where I have the reliance of the trust just trust mm, great because it's all unfolding exactly as it is unfolding I couldn't have written what I'm writing now five years ago I just couldn't have I wasn't there I had to keep digging deeper and part of, that book was part of it and so yeah. yeah I don't I don't regret any of it but I just don't think that pushing something along gets you where you need to go as much as trust mm -hmm. does. Mm, great. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to read yeah. this <laughs> manuscript. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I guess we could go on the, the line of trust. You sent me something amazing a few weeks ago, which was your birth chart. I was so excited. <laughs> So as you know, we talk about astrology a lot on this podcast. It's definitely something that we, that helps us maybe bridge the gap for, for us between the knowing and the, and the trusting, you know, to feel like there is something out there that can tell you a little bit of like how to work with this trust best. So I want to ask you, well, first of all, what is your sign? Tell everybody. I, I'm a yeah. yeah, I'm a Virgo. And as I said, the book actually comes out on my birthday, September 17th. Yes. And do you relate to being a Virgo? Well, what I remember, you know, it's funny. I was like, I have, I, I got that birth chart from a reading that yeah. I did years ago. Okay. And it was so interesting. And I, it was on a tape. Yes. And I don't have a cassette yes. tape anymore. And That's I was right. like, I'm gonna get, I need to find a, a tape recorder before I, you know, yeah. I talked to Corinne and, and the, the tape recorder is going to arrive tonight. So oh. <laughs> uh, I didn't get to listen to it in time. But what I remember about being a Virgo, like the broad brush yeah. strokes are kind of perfectionism yes. and, and being very organized. Yes. And those are or big ones. Yes. Grounded, yeah. um, you know, not loving change, but not loving change okay. is really the organization you like structure and yes and totally yes no, it makes <laughs> yeah. sense yes yeah, yeah. I, I i for sure and you know and i've certainly rebelled against that mm. i felt i feel like i've been the anti-virgo <laughs> you know especially as a as a younger person but i think like so so many times like per expressions of personalities are just different sides of this the same coins yes yes you know, and I do think this, like, this idea of, you know, perfectionism, like, that has contributed. That's that's more of the obstacle that I had to get through to start writing. Yes. Because um, you're not going to be perfect when you start, no matter what. Right. Yeah. Right. That's so crippling. Yeah. It's like you're looking at a fully constructed home, yeah. Yeah. you know, and thinking like, I have to get there right now. You right. know, I don't get to start with the foundation. I don't get to even start with the drawings. Right. Like I have right. to go straight to the doing. Yes. yes. So I, I, I also think that I've learned to develop tools to counteract that mm. and maybe even to like use the good, you know, yeah. the positive aspects of it. Yeah. Um, and so, and how does that work for you with revision? Is revision? Well, yeah. Oh my God. Okay. That's exactly what I Oh my God. I was I'm, like, oh, yes. you know what? I love the second draft. Yes. Like I can tweak. Yeah. I love, I love go, having put the, the first pass down and then going back and tweaking and hear like the harmony, like oh, hearing the balance of the sentence wow. in my mind. And like, I really do enjoy that process. And sometimes you know, talking about the push, like sometimes I, I have a voice that comes in that's like, do you, you're, you're just, you know, languishing mm -hmm. and lingering over this far too long. Like, you know, keep moving. Don't. <laughs> and you know, I'm actually working on a, a, sec, a second, I just started the second pass through of a novel and I'm like, you know what I'm taking, I have my pen, I have my notepad, I printed the whole thing out and I'm taking 
as much time and I'm enjoying that tweaking and that perfecting. So yes, absolutely. Yeah, that makes sense because now you have the thing and you can make it perfect. You're like, I'm activated. This is me. This is the part for me. Call in that astrological superpower now. Yes, Virgo, Virgo engage. Virgo engage. Yes. Oh, I love that. I wanted to ask you, are, are you writing, you're writing something new? I am. Yes. And I'm, I, uh, are you excited? I'm, I'm actually, I, yes, I am. I'm dipping my toe into horror. Um, oh, so I, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so Southern still? No. Okay. I mean, it kind of, no. Okay. It takes place, I would say it takes place in the Northeast. I mean, I think oh, okay. I, if I had to relocate yeah, it, yeah, if, yeah. if there was some good reason, yeah. but, but it's rural, it, you know, it's, it is rural. Right. That seems um, real. It's been fun. Oh, that's and exciting. It's, it's, a pandemic, it's a pandemic baby like yours. Yeah. Yeah. Too. Oh, that's exciting. Last big question. Thinking again about Tara and Joan here, how circumstances can kind of ignite parts of your personality that are there but don't ever have a chance to shine that people look different in different circumstances but there but it was always there for them so obviously you you believe that happens for Joan and then ultimately for Tara that the circumstances at least give her clarity right mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and yeah and Joan that part of her personality you think was always there but kind of shines in the circumstances yeah i mean it's this whole kind of fish out of water concept in a way which i love those kinds of stories where you just pluck someone out of their situation and kind of put them in a totally different situation and let it let it the cameras roll yes let the cameras roll right because (laughs) they are still in their same i mean they're still in their community it's not fish out of water in the traditional sense of like moving someone but you're right. the camera's rolling. Yeah, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, and there are new players that show up that's with right. kind of agendas and there are expectations, there are projections, yeah. you know, onto Joan. There are tons of projections onto Joan. Absolutely. That people like, oh, be this. Yes. You know, be this. Yeah. This we, this is needed. Yes. You be this. Yeah. But she can um, also meet them. Not everyone could meet them. So right. there is yeah. something in there for you. Okay, but what about for yeah. you? Do you ha- has there been some sort of failure or something that you thought was like a devastating turn that ended up bringing a part of you out that you didn't that you maybe forgot was there? I, you know, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, I I said, oh, the, my horror novel is a pandemic baby. I mean, that yeah. sounds you know, it sounds kind of dismissively cheerful no. about the pandemic yeah. okay but yeah I, I you know what has happened for me like in this time mm. which like everyone else like i whew, it's intense sure, you know there's sure. a lot yeah. there's a lot yeah. and it has jolted us all out of our equilibrium and shifted the framework yes. and you know, what I thought I knew, I no longer think I knew. I mean, it's a very humbling time, you know, and I felt like anxious. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, what's going to happen in New York City? Mm. I'm, you know, it's beloved city. People are leaving, you know, all this stuff. It's so big. Yes. It's so big. So big. But it's really helped even more to clear out my relationship to my writing. Being humbled by something this awesome has, in a strange way, just thrown this gift of desperation. I've just really thrown myself into this writing because I realized there's no telling, you know, every moment is predictable. You know, this this is something that I know matters to me. And I think to some others, you know, I'm starting to get, you know, it's not the void anymore. Mm. I am starting to get messages. So... So I, I don't know if that yes exactly that's exactly what I was talking about yeah absolutely because sometimes in those in the face of like you said something so big that was so beautifully said it can 
and when everything gets really messy outside, it can really bring clarity. You're like, this is my relationship to my writing is simple. And it is, you know, drama. Yes. Like it clears away the drama. It clears away the excess. Yes. Yes. Oh, I love that. Um, Have you, have you felt that way? I I mean, yeah, I have. Although I will say I have felt it a little bit more for me with the podcast. I felt like we had more time. I mean, this was something that Kate and I had started on the side and it still is on the side of, of all the many things that, that we do in our lives, but it just felt like an opportunity to do more. And that's when we started doing author interviews. We started doing recaps and it did feel like an, a time when I could expand in a, in a bizarre way as as chaotic as things were outside, I did see the the place where the moment, the opportunity there was to lean into something totally new and different. That And you do feel guilty talking about it. Although we just spoke with Chloe Benjamin, the author of The Immortalists, who said the same thing and how you feel guilty if you're not writing because you're supposed to be writing. But then she had had some really great moments of inspiration and she's been super productive and she feels guilty for that. So it's like, yeah, it's all, it's complicated. Yes, it's complicated. Yes. I, and I just, I did want to say that I have so enjoyed the podcast. I've Yay. listened to many episodes. And in fact, I listened to all of I May Destroy You <sighs> before seeing that. Cause I was oh like, you guys always say, a spoiler alert yes. and whatnot yes. but I was just so captivated by the conversation oh yeah that I just made a decision that I was gonna I listen to the whole that. thing I wasn't even sure I was gonna watch the series yeah. although we Gary and I finished it last night oh my uh, goodness though that ended so yes incredible Crazy. I mean the whole thing was is was brilliant yes so different, so invigorating, yes. um, so well done at every level. Yes, but the the conversations on pop fiction women oh really enhanced it oh, for me. I, I mean, it was just it was the storytelling of your conversation was just as compelling for me. You know, watching uh, I love just as enjoyable. Yeah, I as love watching you. The I love you for saying yeah. that. I do. What else are you like watching? reading loving right now recently well we you know we did watch fleabag and yes. love fleabag so, um talk about brilliant creator phoebe waller yes oh yes yeah. i mean these women that are like they're writing and they're acting yes and uh and michaela cole yep. is that how you yep. is that? Mm-hmm. she's such a she's a great actor yes. like her her my favorite was her um, in the the nightclub in Italy when she would just be going like totally yes. nuts, just like wild. And then the bouncer or yes. the the barkeep yes. would come up to her and like Get down. just barely touch yeah. barely touch her, and she would imme- yes. immediately turn into this little nine year old girl. Like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. You're like, I mean, oh it was my just god. yeah. Oh yeah, she's so fantastic. Funny. She is really fantastic, and you know, yeah. both of them have talked about the fact that they ultimately turned to creating writing because they weren't seen or appreciated as actresses as actors mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they were like well if you don't I get it maybe I'm not the best in your role but you need better roles because I'm good mm-hmm. and they knew that mm-hmm. and they created the vehicle they needed for themselves and they were just brilliant yeah yeah, yeah absolutely what absolutely. about uh, anything reading you're reading or reading well I've been doing you know a, a, a horror survey kind of because even though you know I wanted to write a horror story it wasn't like I you know had read a lot of yeah. horror um, this is so freaking funny because I actually just had a an idea for a story like come to me a like a week or two ago and I told my husband about it and he was like oh my god that's so good and it's totally different I don't know if I would call it horror though it's more like I don't know psychological suspense or thriller or whatever it Mm -hmm. is but I just love it this it's like a dark feeling right now right and And I feel like people are gonna want that coming out of this time yes Yes. exactly and like 
you know, like Arabella's exploration of the under the bed. Yes. You know, yes. like externally, yes, that there's a lot of it's very challenging. Yes. But also like internally, there's always, you know, the the shadow, the yes. shadow self. I mean, all, all the way back to Carl Jung. Yes. And, um, and so like to get to explore that and and it's just fun. Yeah. It's just a, it feels like a very fun, it's fantasy. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's a fairy tale yeah. in a way. Um, horror has that quality. Absolutely. And the, especially yeah. like the Brothers Grimm. I mean, that stuff's yes. all mixed up. <laughs> Brutal. Right? Yeah. yeah. But, very but yet we've taken away these very... Disney ideas from it. And I'm like, no, this is yeah. dark. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just read In the Dream House. I don't know why it's just really speaking to me like to tell you about that. It's on the surface. It's about two women and, and an abusive relationship, but it's not. And mm. it all centers around this. It's called In the Dream House. And it centers around this idea that the two of them fell in love and they had this amazing relationship and then it turns dark and she always kind of... It doesn't choose your own adventures and says, oh, this could have happened, but then this happened. Well, that... Like, there there are a couple of pages of that. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I think I may have heard her do a reading oh, of this on, yeah, okay. on NPR, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. It's a memoir about two women in a relationship that gets abusive. And somehow I'm like, oh, I feel like this is going to work for me. <laughs> this is going to help mm. me in my psychological thriller novel. So it, yeah. it's funny. And isn't that wonderful? Like that's a, that's a fun part, yes. the stage that you're in. Yes. The, the ideation, like, you know, you're having this little spark. And, and everything you know, seems look, to come together, right? Like, yeah. Yes. And things come to you, you know, yes. out there. And you, yeah, yeah. like this memoir. Yes. So it's fun. Um, yes. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. All right. Well, it was absolutely wonderful reconnecting with you under the best circumstances possible. Cannot wait for this lifelike creatures to be out in the world. I already pre-ordered my copy, even though I got an advanced copy from you. Oh, thank you. Get my numbers up. Yes, of course. Exactly. (laughs) You're so generous to invite me. I mean, I just, I was so touched um, that you like immediately like, as soon as I I reached out to say, hey, guess what? You know, the thing I was working on when we were together, it got published and you immediately responded like, oh my God, you know, let's have a conversation on the podcast. So absolutely. So thank you that yes well when you know someone's the real deal like you oh. want to you want to do everything to throw yourself behind them so wow so. Well, so thank you for that this has been pop fiction women with corinne and kate if you enjoyed this show please tell the complicated women in your life and the men who love them yes tell them to listen And then to follow on Spotify or review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And of course, share on social media. Tag us with your favorite books, TV shows, and movies starring complicated women on Facebook and Instagram at Pop Fiction Women or on Twitter at Pop underscore Women. For more coverage of the women you love or to find out if you qualify as a complicated woman, go to popfictionwomen.com. And keep it complicated.